Well, welcome to The Raw Roast, where we have real conversation about faith and life over a good cup of coffee. My name is Tucker Anderson. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary Church, and it's a, an honor and privilege to be able to introduce to you uh, David Nelms. David is the, the president and founder of the Timothy Initiative, and David, it is uh, an honor to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Tucker. I'm thrilled to be here. Had a blast at Calvary this morning. We'll share a little bit more uh, with our listeners about the Timothy Initiative. What do, what do you do, and um, what is the mission of this uh, organization? Yeah, I'd be happy to. TTI, the Timothy Initiative, we take our name from 2 Timothy 2.2, which I believe is the most important verse in the Bible dealing with disciple-making. If I can paraphrase it, Paul discipled Timothy, who discipled faithful people, who discipled others also. So you've got four generations there. I believe the New Testament norm is not just accept Christ and then just sit in a church and uh, pass out bulletins in the lobby. I believe that we're all supposed to be making disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And we developed a system, a process, and a curriculum focused primarily on unreached people groups. You know, when Jesus said, go make disciples of every nation, he used the word ethne. We get our word ethnicity from it. He wasn't talking about geopolitical nations like Canada, USA, Mexico. He was talking about people groups. And there's some, depending upon which list you use, approximately 17,000 people groups in the world. And about uh, 40% of them approximately are classified as unreached. Wow. To be unreached would mean less than 2% evangelical believers for that entire ethnicity. So that's where we focus. Typically, they're going to be in your Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist world, with some exceptions, but that's primarily. So that's where we're at. And so we train disciple makers to lead folks to Christ, disciple them. Little churches spring up. And the churches are designed, Tucker, not so much to get large because if you get large, we're not opposed to getting large, but if you get large, you got to have property, you got to have a building, you got to have staff. The cost starts going up, and there, for every one church you start, there's another hundred villages around that still don't have a church. So it's a different strategy. Where think rabbits, they stay small, but they multiply. So we removed what I call the three S's from the equation. We don't pay salaries, we don't build sanctuaries, we don't send people off to seminary. We train tent makers. You don't need a salary. We use our houses or under a tree. You don't Mm. need a sanctuary. And the church becomes the seminary. Mm. The church becomes a place where the people are equipped to do the work of the ministry. And we would say if the work of the ministry is anything, it's evangelism slash making disciple makers. So that's kind of what we do. You shared really a, a, a number of staggering facts in your message this morning. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about what you feel like the the state of the global church is right now, and then maybe share some stories about how you've seen God at work. Yeah, the church is growing by leaps and bounds, maybe faster than it's ever grown, almost everywhere except Europe, North America, a few other maybe islands, Australia, New Zealand, maybe a place like that. Uh, And there are pockets where there's very little growth. Japan would be one. But overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, the church is exploding in growth. More Mm. Muslims are coming to Christ right now than probably ever. I mean, places like Iran and Afghanistan. And so, yeah, it's 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 growing. It's and I don't know why. I just know it's happening. 
Okay, I mean, I got I've got some theories, but but I I know it's happening. The where you do find the church growing, though, for the most part, they utilize what I call movement strategies or movement philosophies of ministry, which is not very prevalent here in the United States. How would you classify the U.S. in terms of our strategies? What are the, the primary strategies you think we use it, that it, are? It's all knowledge based. Okay, disciple making is all knowledge based. When you say that, you just say the word discipleship, and people think a class, they think a book, they think a course, they think a college class or a a, a seminar or a podcast, mm-hmm. they think or a sermon. It's all knowledge-based. Knowledge is not bad. The Bible says that we should grow in grace and in the knowledge of mm-hmm. our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the Bible also says knowledge puffs up. Yeah, I would dare say, if you go back to the first century A.D., my guess is the Pharisees could quote more verses than those apostles could from the Old Testament. But they were far, yeah. far from what they were supposed to be. And so uh, where the church is growing, it's not knowledge-based, but obedience-based discipleship. It's James 1, which says, if you hear the word but don't put it into practice, you have deceived yourself. And I think our churches here in the States tend to be filled with self-deceived people who think that because they can find Ezekiel in their Bible or because they have a Bible or the right version of the Bible, that they're somehow mature in the Lord. But... We would say, we would define a disciple as someone who lives like Jesus and leads others to do the same. Uh, Everything reproduces after its own kind. Hmm. Uh, Cows produce cows. uh, Crickets produce crickets. Christ followers should be producing Christ followers. Hmm. I would say a mature person in the Lord is going to be out there reproducing. Disciples make disciples. I heard somebody say once, Tucker, that until your disciple has made a disciple, you haven't made a disciple hmm. because disciples make disciples. By its very nature, it's yeah, it, it replicates. Jesus self. said, "Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." Yeah, if you're following him, you're fishing for men. We have a mutual friend, a missions pastor at another another church here in the Twin Cities, and I remember he said to me once. He quoted the Great Commission. It was, you know, Jesus says, "Go uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit." and teaching them all I've commanded you, and I'll be with you to the end of the age. And he, he asked me, what word did I leave out of the when I just quoted that? And I had to think. I wasn't registering. And then he said, I've left out the word obedience. Yeah. Um, and maybe he's even mentioned that to you before, too. But yeah. I, and I, I think you're exactly right. We... Tucker, it's it's knowledge-based, but it's, yeah. Jesus teach obedience. All my life, I thought the Great Commission was lead people to Christ, baptize them, teach them everything Jesus commanded, but that's not what he said. Mm-hmm. He said, teach them to obey. And by the way, that's verse 20 of Matthew 28. In the previous verse, he commanded them to make disciples. Yeah. So if you're going to teach that new disciple everything Jesus told us to do in the context of the Great Commission. If you teach them anything, mm-hmm. you teach the new believer to become a disciple maker. Thus, there should be reproduction and multiplication taking place. We're not seeing it in the United States for the most part because we're, it's all knowledge-based. I'll never forget, I, I pastored for 37 years. I preached on tithing once years ago. And everybody walked out, great sermon, didn't know there was so much about giving in the Bible. Boy, that really makes you think. 
And I went home and told my wife, I think they got it. The next week, my offerings plunged. They went down. It's not that they didn't know. Yeah, Knowing it and doing it are two different things. And so in a movement-type strategy, the focus is, yes, on teaching the Word, but then you stop and you pray and you ask, Lord, based on what I've learned from your Word, what would you have me to do? And then we share it around the table. I believe the Lord is leading me to do such and such. And then we say, all right, we're going to pray for you. And next week when we gather back together, we're all going to share that we did what we felt the Lord leading us to do and what happened as a result. So there's accountability. It's obedience-based discipleship with accountability. Mm-hmm. And those two ingredients tend to be missing. Where the church is growing, that's what you find. Yeah. Where it's not growing, it's just not there. Let me just ask you this question. Is it possible to be a Christ follower and not make disciples? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I guess I'm of the persuasion, and I'm not a theologian, and this is a theological uh, strong area here, as you know, so I'm probably going to get myself in trouble. Uh, Most of my life, I would have said a believer and a disciple are synonymous terms. I'm not sure if I believe that anymore. I believe you can be a believer, a follower of Christ, without being a disciple. I don't think you can be a disciple without being a believer. Certainly. Okay? Yeah. I think disciples disciples follow Jesus. They're mm-hmm. students. They're followers. Jesus said, follow me. Yeah. I will make you fishers of men. Yeah. So – and, and I, we've got to give people grace. I mean, you know, you come to Christ, or you may not even know that you're supposed to reproduce. Yeah. So there's got to be some time to grow yep. in grace. You know, a little baby can't do a whole lot. But I think ultimately at some point, ultimately at some point, we're supposed to be telling others about Jesus. Mm-hmm. How would you counsel Calvary to grow in our ability to make disciples, whether it be with people in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, um, the context that we find ourselves most often. Yeah, you know, you brought up a mutual friend that we have. His dad is a member of Calvary. I met him this morning. And I heard I heard, uh, I heard, Dave uh, say something once. He told me, he said, David, every day I pray for Bob. I said, who's Bob? He said, no, 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 I pray for Bob. B stands for a burden, broken heart. O an opportunity, B, boldness. He said, every day I pray for Bob. And by the way, this gentleman is probably the finest personal evangelist I've ever known in my life. Yeah, okay? me too. I, I, I don't know anybody that even comes close. And I believe wh- what we teach is this. First of all, pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you can grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. We do that with sin and unconfessed issues in our life. So every day I I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me, take control of my life, and then I pray for Bob. I ask that God will give me a burden and a broken heart for people, an opportunity to share my story with them, and then the boldness to take advantage of that opportunity. And then I get up off my knees and I'm looking. I'm expect Tucker, we have a guy in Asia who, under his oversight, he and his son have started over 4,000 churches. Every morning, he gets on his knees and does a version of what I just said. He actually prays for a person of peace. 
a person that will be open and receptive and hungry for the gospel. So every morning he gets up at 4 a.m. and he prays for a person of peace. Hmm. When he gets up off of his knees, the first person he sees that he does not know, he assumes they are the answer to that prayer and he witnesses to them. Hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. So when somebody asks me, how do you start 4,000 churches? The answer is, Every day you pray for someone you can share Christ with, and the first person you see that you don't know that you have an opportunity, you just uh, this guy's uh, Dave Burroughs, his name, his his belief would be, why would God not answer that prayer? Hmm. I'm trying to glorify Him. He wants He wants people to get saved, so I just asked him to connect me to somebody. Wow! And that's really what our buddy is saying every day. Pray. See, the problem is we don't have a burden for people. Yeah, uh, We see a parking spot at the mall or at the strip mall, and we see another car coming. We're not thinking, where's he going to spend eternity? We're thinking, i got to get to that spot before he does. We're not, we're not burdened. We're burdened for our own immediate family. We want our family to know Jesus and go to heaven. But Jesus died for everybody's family. Hmm. So the burden, the broken heart is, is a big problem. Most of us aren't. We're not even thinking about their souls. Yeah. And that's a, uh, that's not good. Jesus looked at the city of Jerusalem and says he wept over He beheld it and he wept over it. When's the last time we wept over people's souls? Hmm. That's a big problem. If you have a burden, then you're going to look for an opportunity to actually share Christ. And it's a fast-paced world here in the West, and that opportunity is not always there. But when it does come, then you need the boldness to actually open your mouth. Yeah. So the guy that I know that's done a better job at it than anybody prays for a burden and opportunity and boldness mm. every day. And that's something so so simple. I, I mean, when you just think pray about for it, just, Bob. Yeah, just pray for Bob. That's all you got to do. Um, you showed a picture in your message that of all the pictures that you showed – I'm a very visual person, probably captivated me the most. And I think it was the first one you showed of uh, a pastor and a, and a businessman. It was the, the pastor, and then I think it was the Timothy. Yeah. Standing out in a body of water, and there was, I don't know, probably a few hundred people. Yeah, it was over 100 people in that line. Uh, waiting to be baptized. That's just, uh, I mean, that's almost unfathomable for me to think about that happening here in my context, but incredible to see how God's working in that way. What, uh, and maybe that's a not, maybe that's a, I have, I maybe have a too small a measure of faith when I think about, I mean, that God can, if he can do that there, he can do that certainly here. Um, so in addition to prayer and, and having a, cultivating a burden for the lost, how how do we how do you think we evangelize a, in many ways a post Christian culture when yeah. so many of these people you mentioned they've never even heard of Jesus to re, they don't even know who Jesus is to reject if they're going to reject him mm-hmm. but we've had a lot of people I think today that have rejected Jesus or let me say I think they've rejected what they think mm-hmm. about Jesus maybe yeah. from what they've seen in the news or they've you know seen growing up how do we evangelize a post Christian culture yeah. Well, first of all, on that picture, um, that area where that gentleman lives, I know him. 
it's what we call a 0.1 district. In that particular country, counties are called districts. Okay. And 0.1 means, according to the government stats, less than 0.1% of the people that live in that district are Christians. Hmm. So if you flip that number around, he lives in a place where 99.9 plus percent of the people there are not followers of Christ. Wow. And when you realize that, and on top of that, that line there, the line was even bigger the next year. Wow. That was just the first year. The training went for two years. And he was a businessman, no seminary, just just the little training we gave. So, but if you talk to people where it's happening, what they're always going to say is this. The key is the Holy Spirit. It is prayer. It is the Holy Spirit, and it's obedience. Jesus said, if you if you know these things, happier are you if you do them. Hmm. He didn't say you're going to be happy if you know them. You're going to be happy if you do them. I mean, you got to know it to do it. Yeah. So the knowledge is important. But um, here in the States, um, what I would say, Tucker, to you and to your crowd, your your listeners, is this. There's only one – the Bible is the only cross-cultural book ever written. Hmm. Pre-Christian, post-Christian, Asian, African, American, the Bible, it's it's the only cross-cultural book ever written. Hmm. It works everywhere. It doesn't work to the same degree everywhere. Jesus gave a parable where there were four kinds of soil, and some of the soil was tougher and harder than other. Hmm. Okay? So you're not going to see – perhaps the results in Saudi Arabia that you would see in in uh, Kenya. But it's not that the Bible doesn't work there. It's that the soil is harder, but you're still going to see some results. Hmm. So first of all, the Bible works in the Twin Cities. Okay, it works everywhere. This morning at Calvary, I met people from Andhra Pradesh. I met people from Northeast Nigeria. I met people from Liberia. We plant churches in all those areas. Wow. Those people are now here. If they can be reached there, I don't know why they can't be reached here. Yeah. So first of all, the Bible is the only cross-cultural book ever written. Then I'd say this. The Holy Spirit is not intimidated by the Twin Cities. Yeah. He is not. He's real. He's alive. He's, I think, waiting for a group of people who will confess their sins, mean business, ask him to fill them. You know, Jesus, his very last statement that he made on this earth before he went, went to heaven, Acts 1-8, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Jesus didn't say, and you will be my church attenders or my uh, parking lot crew. He said, you will be my witnesses. He directly connected the coming of the Holy Spirit with giving us the power we need to effectively witness for him. Mm. And a witness is simply someone who tells what they've seen, what they've heard, what they know to be the truth about Jesus. So what I would say is this, I'm a firm believer that if the people of Calvary or any church in this area as a group will confess their sins, call out to the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to fill them, and then and then begin looking for people that they can share Christ with out, out just in the real world. I believe 
I believe if we can get enough people doing that, I believe we're going to see some stuff happen. Now, you may not see the kind of growth in Minnesota that you would see in Mississippi mm-hmm. because the culture is different. Okay. The problem in Mississippi is going to be everybody claims to be saved. Yeah. Okay. We can't get anybody lost. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's a problem too. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not intimidated by Minnesota. Yeah. That's what I believe. You and you hit you hit on a really uh, foundational truth that yeah, ultimately it is the Holy Spirit who it saves. Is. Yeah. We're called to be obedient. Yeah. And it's the Holy Spirit who saves. And I think we can take great comfort in that and it removes some pressure. Yeah. We're I mean we we're called to be a mouthpiece. We're called to be a, an ambassador. A, I can't save anybody. So I'm at the airport day. I'll look for somebody to witness to. Statistically, they're not going to accept Christ. I know that already. But it's not my command is not to save them. My command is to be a witness. And so I look for those opportunities. And what I found though is this: the more people I witness to, yeah, the more that seem to get saved. Yeah. When I never witness, nobody gets saved. Yeah. It's kind of like if I never go fishing, I don't catch any fish. Yeah. And that's our problem. We're not fishing. Yeah. Uh, somebody told me, according to the Billy Graham Association, 95% of church members in the United States will go to their grave without ever having led anyone to Jesus Christ. I've heard that too. Yeah. And and it's not – that's – it doesn't have to be that way. The Best case, our church members tend to think, I'll bring my friends to church and let the pastor share the gospel. And that's not bad, but but that's the Great Commission is not invite a friend to church. The Great Commission is you go. Mm-hmm. You be a witness. You tell them. You can bring them to church. And if they bring them here, they're going to hear the gospel, and that's good news. Yeah. Okay? But but we can do more than invite people to church. We can actually share Christ out where we live and work and study and shop and play. David, any any last uh, any last words that you would share for our listeners? Any uh, words of encouragement or challenge? Yeah, you know, the uh, most of us think we can't do it. The we have an enemy. Jesus referred to uh, your enemy, the devil, and the devil's real, and he tells us that we're not smart enough. We haven't learned enough Bible. We haven't been trained well enough. We can't do this. Jesus said about the devil in John eight forty four, he is a liar and the father of all lies. If you look at every practically everyone in the Bible that God used in a great way, those people were characters. They had yeah. issues. I mean, just they had problems. They'd make for good reality TV. Yes, they would. I mean, murderers and alcoholics. And just lie, liars and just just a mess. And yet, take Peter. In our Lord's darkest night, Hebrews says he was crying out loud cries of agony. He's pleading, Father, take this cup from me. Hmm. He goes over to Peter and says, will you pray with me? Peter falls asleep. What did that happen, three times? Yeah. And and then he gets arrested, and Peter, somebody walks up to Peter and says, you're one of his, and Peter Peter literally stuck a knife in our Lord's back. I don't know the man, don't know what you're talking about, and he cursed. The rooster crowed, their eyes met. Hmm. Peter went out and wept bitterly. 
if there was ever a time Jesus needed someone to stand by him, it was then. And Peter was the man, and Peter didn't do it. Just a few days later, filled with the Spirit, Peter stands up and preaches, and 3,000 people come to Christ. Hmm. If God can take a man like Peter and use him, God can use every single person at Calvary. Hmm. The enemy says to your people, you don't know enough Bible. You didn't go to Bible college. You haven't had this training. You haven't had that course. You've, you've got to pass. If, if you went to jail or you're an alcoholic or you're a drug addict or you're this, you're that, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Hmm. The greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. God can use every one of the people that call themselves a member of this church. God can use them and wants to use them. Mm. We must be filled with the Spirit and obedient to do what he's told us to do. Mm. What a great word to end on. And David, thank you for being here. Thank, thank you, you for Tucker. this conversation and uh, just a great challenge this morning for me personally, but I know for everybody here at Calvary too. And Amen. Thank you, Tucker. And I want to thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about Calvary Church, you can visit calvarychurch.us. You can check us out online or in person on Sunday mornings. We would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you listen. It also helps if you can leave us a review. We look forward to having you join us again next week.